peace and blessings. You are here for another episode of the Black on Black Education podcast. Um, Eva couldn't make it with us tonight, so it's just going to be me and my man. Actually, we always let our guests introduce themselves. So Kwame, well, too late. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Tell us who you are, uh, what you do, and why you do it. Yes, yes. Um, Peace, everybody. Black on Black Ed audience. Uh, My name is Kwame Sarfomenta. And I am a 15-year educator. I've taught in Philadelphia, Boston, primarily as a middle school math teacher. And over the past couple of years, I've transitioned into educational consulting and um, started my own firm, Identity Talk Consulting, which specializes in providing professional development and consulting services to K-12 educators, individual um, schools, colleges, universities, and other educational nonprofit organizations. And um, Identity Talk has, over the past couple of years, um, has expanded into more of a, a multimedia enterprise where, you know, we do podcasting. Uh, we also provide some content um, through social media outlets like, like Instagram, like Facebook. And, you know, we're all about not only building the capacity of educators, but helping educators stay true to the teacher and you, which is our model. So being true to the identities, being true to their principles, being true to their morals as educators, and creating a path that informs their vision of what it means to be an educator and what education should look like in their um, point of view. That's interesting, man. Uh, and, and seemingly extremely important in the, in the moment in this moment <clears throat> we have all kind of laws being written um to stop teachers from from teaching um a whole variety of subjects um which which i can imagine it, it, it does the opposite of what you just um described so a teacher wants to you know come in as their authentic self and they got to worry about all of these rules associated with what they can and cannot say or can and cannot do um Let's talk a little bit about that and um, and, and how the work that you do, um, we you know, kind of suggest to teachers what they should be doing to to you know, kind of kind of assuage some of the concerns they have around quote unquote getting in trouble. Sure, and I'll use my story as an example. When I first got into teaching, um, I got into it with the mindset of being a role model, particularly for black boys um, in schools, because. Um, early, early on, right after I finished my undergraduate uh, degree at Temple University, um, I actually did a two-year term with an organization called Education Works, which is under the umbrella of AmeriCorps. So I was working as a school corps member um, at one of the nearby schools um, um, near Temple University, and it was a K-8 school. And I was there pretty much 50 hours a week um, helping out the teachers, um, leading uh, socialized recess, doing lunch duty, all the dirty work that teachers don't want to do outside of instruction, right? That was pretty much what I was doing. And what I observed in that school was that it was 90% Black and Latinx, but then conversely, 90% 90% of the staff were white teachers. And it was mind-boggling to me because it's like, how's it that there are so few teachers who look like the students? And the white teachers who were uh, teaching the students, some of them were pretty good. But there were some who were very problematic in how they were interacting with them. And I always told myself, if I was in their position, I know that I can make more of an impact and show these students a different way. And that's what ultimately led me to want to get into education because I just thought, well, why should students, particularly black students, only aspire to be athletes and entertainers? How about we get them to aspire to be mathematicians, engineers, businessmen, businesswomen, you know, professions that they're not always exposed to at those particular ages right, right. A- and that's really what you know pushed me in that direction so when I think about my role as a black educator I look at myself as a counter narrative 
because the narrative about black people, particularly black males, is that where we're dangerous, we're angry, um, we're threatening, you know, all these um, negative uh, narratives that are attached to us. And what I want to show students is that you can be authentic. You can look like, like how I look with locks, you know, and, and be a teacher. I can look just like you and be a teacher who's respected, who's educated and still got swag as well. And, and that was really something that I wanted to <clears throat> convey as a message. So um, when I look at what's happening with all this anti-critical race theory legislation, whatever you want to call it, the banned book laws, um, even laws that are focused on uh, transgender folks, um, anti-LGBTQ plus laws, any law that goes against the humanization of our children. I always think of it as, well, like just my role, I feel like my role is to humanize the students, particularly those who look like me, because there are so many narratives out there that do otherwise. And and I think, you know, now more than ever, uh, with all this legislation, you know, being pushed through different state legislatures, we have a bigger role than ever to, you know, let students know that, hey, it's okay to be you. It's okay to show up as yourself unapologetically uh, without consequence. It's okay to rock your crown. It's okay uh, to talk your slang. It's okay to come with your J's on, not just as a student, but as a teacher as well. You know, it's okay to go against the grain, uh, to go against status quo, to be authentic in everything that you do and how you present yourself and how you speak and how you interact. And, and I think, um, you know, looking at these laws, it does the total opposite, which is why we have to continue to combat these laws with with a fierceness that we've never um, done it before. So that's really my quick take on it, but I could definitely go deeper into that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you said a lot and, and, and everything that you said is true. And, um, you know, I obviously think about these things. Um, I'm, I'm a school board member, you know, we, we have not um, had to wrestle with some of the, um, challenging audience members and things to that effect yet. Um, but, you know, you never know, <laughs> you know, when it comes and, you know, and I try to prepare myself um, in a way where, you know, one of the things about, about me is that I, I'm, 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 I really do try to see both sides of everything. You know what I mean? I sit back and I, and I try to understand um, why people feel um, the way that they feel. And I recognize that, you know, a, a large part of it is ignorance. But I also do recognize that sometimes there's a there there. So I, I, I oftentimes try to invite, you know, the people who, who I tend to agree with on most things to, to, to kind of dig in and, and ask themselves, you know, what, what pieces here, you know, while we're fighting, you know, what, what, what pieces here, where, where do they have a point? You know, and, and, and I try to always do pay, pay attention to that. So let me ask you, is there anywhere? You know, in 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 that in in these conversations where you know what the, these people who are doing some of these things that we obviously consider crazy, where they actually have a point. I actually think there is, right? If we're gonna be reasonable, and I'll give an example. So there's been a lot of talk about um these laws, particularly in India, in Indiana, and now in Georgia, where teachers are now required to post up their lesson plans and other instructional materials for the entire school year. So for those who are not teachers and have never been in the classroom before, let me explain to you what that actually means, right? Uh, number one, when you tell a teacher to post lesson plans for an entire year, keep in mind that lesson plans are always subject to change. 
depending on the makeup of your class, the demographics of your class, uh, culturally, socioeconomically, and all, and a bunch of other factors that do matter, right? Because our students come as their intersectional selves, <laughs> so you have to, um, you have to shape your lessons and your instruction to mirror the students that are in front of you. So that's important, but but as a parent, right? It's nice to know what your children are learning. So I do I do believe in transparency for for uh, parents within reason, right? So if you want to know what I'm teaching your child in school, I'm more than happy to provide you with an overview of topics that we're going to cover, right? It's similar to when we were in college. When and you had to, uh, you get a syllabus at the beginning of the semester that gives an overview of everything that you're going to learn week to week. But you, but you also know that it can change depending on certain things that happen. Maybe school gets canceled for a full week, or the professor is out because of an emergency. You know, things happen over the course of a semester or a school year. But you at least have an idea, an overview of what you're going to learn and, and what's going to be taught. Now, is the professor giving you a day-to-day -day of what you're going to learn in each class? No, because they know that if a, if a student doesn't understand a particular part of the lesson, you may have to spend the next class having to revise that lesson and make some adjustments so that that student or a group of students can understand what they need to know, right? Right. So I believe that parents should be aware of what's going on, but I also believe that parents should be proactive in finding out that as well. But there's a way you go about doing it that still shows respect right. to the professionalism of teachers. Right. And, have, and I think people, yeah. people, people uh, have lost, you know, a whole, a whole bunch of that. Um, and it's my sincere hope that we get it back. You know what I mean? It's, it's teachers, you know, they, they, they work very, very hard. Um, you know, they, they try to have their summer off asking people to spend damn near the whole summer writing up a full year lesson plans is just, you know, it, it's, it's not a reasonable um, re request. Right. And what I don't think that they recognize is just how much teachers are on the brink. Like right, right now that teachers are, there's teach, I talk to people ready, like people are ready to snap, you know what I mean? And, and we, we, we've already dealt with this, you know, kind of great resignation everybody is, is is talking about in terms of workers in the United States of America. But we can focus in on what the great resignation of teachers um, looks like. That's already happening, too. Um, and there's a teacher shortage in, in in lots of places across the country. And that teacher shortage can get worse. Like the the I don't know. I don't think that they understand the, the fragility of the overall system and the, and the, the threads with which it's holding together. If you got 20 percent of the teachers who who get up and, and walk out, then you're going to have other places where they're like, okay, yeah, bus driver can be um, the, 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 the the substitute. You know, we'll, we'll get the janitor to come um, and help teach classes. They or the National Guard. Just completely un unreasonable. Um, so talk about that. Talk about the, the, the you know, the teachers that you communicate with. I know, you, you know you're, you're doing professional development. What are you hearing from them about their desire to stay in the classroom or leave the classroom? And, and if they leave, where they're going? Well, Jamal's a mixed bag, brother. But but here's one thing that's been common in the different responses I've heard from teachers is that they still love teaching. They love this work. They don't love the politics associated with the work, but they love the work that is being able to be in position to positively impact the lives of their students. They love that part. And if given a choice, they will love to do it in a way that not only humanizes them, but also their students. That's really what it is. The problem is, given how things are, especially with the complications of the pandemic, you have teachers who are 
forced to make some difficult decisions because they realize that they're trying to do what's best for their students at the expense of their mental health, at the expense of their social emotional wellness. And we all know that if you're not able to, if you don't have a full cup, you just can't operate. You can't operate, you know, out of an empty cup. You just can't. And you need, you need the space to recharge that battery of yours. So um, I, I feel like you have some teachers who want to stick it out because they just want to be there for the students during this difficult time. I mean, if this is what you've done for 10, 15 years, maybe even maybe this is something that you've always wanted to do and you finally have the chance to do it, right? How would you feel <clears throat> leaving your students behind, right. knowing all the things that are going on with, with COVID, knowing that there's a there's a there are a lot of schools who are having a difficult time uh trying to get subs to come into their buildings. Like we're we're struggling to get subs in our schools, Jamal. That's how bad it is uh with this pandemic. So knowing that as a classroom teacher, you don't want to put your students in a position where they're not going to get any kind of learning or consistent learning throughout the year. So there's a guilt that's attached to it. You don't want to feel guilty. You don't want to feel like you've let your students down. And that's why some teachers overstay their welcome in the in the classrooms because they don't want to have to deal with that guilt. But at the same time, you have some teachers who are just like, I love these kids, but guess what? I love myself a little bit more. Right. So if if I'm gonna get fired for for teaching what I know is right for my students, if I'm going to get fired for um, speaking out about just the inhumane um, acts that are taking place, then guess what? I guess I'm going to get fired then. If I have to quit just so that I'll be able to live a normal life, a normal healthy life, then that's what I need to do. I'm at the sacrifice what I love in order to do this. Right in order to be there for my family, in order to be there for my children. Because a lot of the teachers are also mothers. They're also fathers. They're husbands. They're wives. They're guardians to other loved ones. They have other roles that they have outside of the classroom. And they're not able to fulfill them because of the stresses and the trials and tribulations that are associated with this work. Right. So even though you have teachers in different situations, the common denominator is that they they love teaching. They still love the, the kids. Right. <clears throat> That's undeniable. But it's really a difference of how much they love themselves. Do right. you love yourself enough to leave this profession that you have dedicated your life to so so dearly in order to save yourself? Right. And, and you, you know, you hit on a couple points there in talking to teachers. Um, I think the 80, 20 rule, you know, is true here. Um, when I hear people complain about the, you know, what's going on, 80% of the complaints are about the school, the overall system, the fact that they have to teach to the test, the, you know, it, 20% is about the students. You know, there's some kids out there who, who's, they act bad. Um, they're not bad kids, but you know what I mean? They, they, where, where there's bad behavior, they're acting out and things to that effect. Sure. Um, particularly at this point in time when when um, they don't know how to handle all of the emotions that are that that, that are going on. Um, and, and most places don't have the proper social and emotional, you know, learning capacity to, to help students deal with the, the, the challenges of, of what are currently, um, you know, un, unprecedented times. Um, so most of the complaints, though, are, are about the infrastructure around them that's that's set up and not the little little um, young people that that are that are in front of them. Um, and, and that should not be the, 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 the case. You, you shouldn't have to go to school on a day to day basis and fight your organization. 
in, in order to, to 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 then still have enough energy to bring all you can to the little pieces to, to the little folks um, in front of you. You know, eighty percent of your focus in terms of of, of challenging the uh, of, of finding opportunities in the challenge should be directed at finding the opportunities for each of our students. Um, and 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 I I, I certainly. I, I know teachers are trying. I know they're trying. So, in, in your personal, in personal, um, uh, professional development work, wh how do you help teachers? You know, gr grapple with that. You know, what 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 are the things that you provide or or, or communicate to them um, around how to deal with um, infrastructure challenges um, at, at the at their kind of administrative levels? I don't know if there's one right answer um, for how to deal with all those things. I think fundamentally it has to start with you taking care of you and understanding that you don't have the capacity to save an entire school. You, you just can't do it. All you can do is go into your classroom every single day and do the best that you absolutely can. That is all you're required to do. And even if your best isn't that great these days, for, for understandable reasons, you have to be okay with that. You've got to be okay with that, right? Um, but it's really all about effort. It's not about being perfect in your practice because right now there are a lot of teachers who are not perfect in their practice. There are a lot of teachers who don't feel like they're they're doing their best teaching right now because of everything we've discussed. And they've come to terms with that. But are they beating themselves up for that? No. Because they know realistically that they can't possibly be their best selves if they deal with all these pressures coming from different directions whether it's from politicians, whether it's from parents, whether it's from maybe some of their school leaders. So I would, so usually, so at this time, it's not even so much about instructional practices. Like I can't talk to them about, about instructional practices because I don't think that's the priority at this stage. The priority should be focused more on social, emotional learning health and wellness because as much as we talk about how important it is to give that to students teachers and I'm even going to throw in school leaders need that as well because if we can't even prioritize those two things how can we possibly be in position to build our capacities as practitioners as instructors as facilitators to our students there's no way if we're not fully okay in here. And and the interesting thing about that and, and the reason why I, I, I love the idea that is because it, it almost changes the nature of school. Like if, if you decide that, you know, social emotional wellness, um, it, which really is like it, it should come before academics because you can't really get to academic. One of the reasons why you can't get so many some people to, to focus in on academics is because they're not okay. They don't feel good. Their minds don't feel good. Their heart doesn't feel good. They feel sick by what's going on at home, by what's going on in the world. Like they, they, they're, they're hurting. And so if you don't address that first, then you don't get to academics. So if we say, okay, this social emotional learning and wellness are, 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 are the areas that we need to sort of focus on, that can become an intergenerational conversation. Yes. That can become a thing where, where students are talking about what they need to do, teachers are talking about what they need to do, administrations talking about what they need to do. And now you got this virtuous cycle of, of, of upward feelings, for lack of a better term, everybody's getting better together which will allow you to focus in a whole bunch more on, on, on academics. Um, do you see that happening anywhere? Are there examples of, of people doing, doing that right? So I'm going to answer your question, but I also want to take this opportunity to bridge two ideas together, right? Okay. So when we talk about social emotional learning, we need to unpack what that actually is because that term has been weaponized. <clears throat> and what I mean by that, 
Well, if you know, um, you know, Sister Dina Simmons, she talks about social emotional learning as being presented as white supremacy with a hug. Now, why does she say that? Because when you look at how it's being um, communicated to educators, how it's being done with students, is being done without that anti-racist, anti-biased lens. And here's a perfect example of what that is. You have teachers who are talking about social-emotional learning, but they're also okay with these anti-CRT laws that are banning books that actually address the social-emotional wellness of those students, <laughs> particularly um Black, Indigenous, Latinx, Asian, Pacific Islander students, other students of color. You can't advocate for social-emotional learning if you are for this dehumanizing legislation. That's just, I mean, that's just number one. Um, so we, we really need to unpack what that is because if you ask different educators what they think social emotional learning is i'm pretty sure you're not going to get the same answer every time you're going to get some very different answers so I, I think it's important for us to really be specific about what that is and 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 how we need to um position that within the context of of anti-racism that, that has to happen. Yeah. Um, and, and this is where I start to be like, I don't know. I get to a place where I don't know the, you know, the, the, the answer, because on one hand, um, I'm going to tend to, you know, agree with, with, uh, you know, Dina Simmons about a bunch and I'm going to agree with you about, about a bunch, but there's going to be people within the school community that are going to vehemently disagree. And so it's what, you know, when, when the, when, what do they say? When the immovable force force, um, meets the 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 irresistible yeah i forgot what it is but you know it's it's when two things come together and neither one of them doesn't want to give yeah. uh, and so i try to to figure out um what that what is supposed to look like you know and because if you piss off you know, half the, the, the school population, no matter who the, the half is, everybody's going to suffer um, as, as a result of it. I wish that we could have much more, um, something I say all the time, and I don't think I've said it on the podcast in a while, we don't have to be like-minded. Um, in this world, we're, we're very, we're not going to always be like-minded, but we, we got to find ways to be like-hearted. If, if, if really what we all want is, is for the well-being of all of our students, if we, I, I, the white kids, the black kids, the Asians, like, I, I want to pick everybody up, you know, if, if for, as a company, you know, we, we do have a specific focus on, on, on the, on the black students. There's a different need. Um, there's a higher need, but all the other students are there and, and, and everybody's important as, as, as well. Um, and so when dealing with their parents and, and what their parents are going to come and, and, and kind of bring to, um, to the, to the, to the school system, everything breaks down. If we can't find a way to have a conversation and, and I, I try, I don't even use the term CRT because the reality is, is nobody was teaching CRT. Nobody. There's a, there's a, there's a few, there's some examples, you know, spectrum where I, I have heard some things where I'm like, eh, you know, maybe that's not an appropriate way to teach, you know, people. Maybe, maybe that is making, you know, people feel bad, you know, not that, you know, not that that's not something that should happen in school, um, but maybe there are, are, are some challenges, but you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, you no. know, you know, it's, it's what, you know, what, what a specific segment of people have tried to do is tie everything that has to do with anything to do with race into CRT and chuck it all, you know, out. And, and that, um, it's not reasonable. Um, and I, I guess maybe I got to have, you know, one of them on, on the podcast at some you, point and you should. try to, to, to have a, 
you know, again, like take a deep breath, breathe out and, and, and try not to get, you know, my emotions flaring a, around it so I can stay um, level headed in, in a way to say, no, that's no, that's just not reasonable. No, that's just not true. That's not how it is. Let's let's talk about that. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, what what do you, do you have? I thought. Like I said, I'm I'm almost at a loss. Do you what do you feel like the solution is with the understanding that this solution it can't just be something that you and I are going to agree with. It has to be something that a little bit, at least a little bit, is going to pull um, the 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 other side of this conflict into the conversation. Now I think you kind of answered the question. You said that we need we need for all of us to be like like hearted, right? So if it's truly about students if it's truly about children then why should we concern about power right you have to understand all these all these things that we're mentioning here are power moves it's all about the preservation of power right and if you think about it as a teacher like many other teachers out here who think like I think, who think like you think, we are advocating so strongly, not because that we're trying to gain power, but because we're trying to speak up for our students. Right. We know this is right for our students, and there is data that backs it up. Mm. So I think if we're really going to be truly about students, then it shouldn't matter whether I'm right or you're wrong. It's about being on that same being on that same mission to humanize students and if that's truly what the goal is then there shouldn't be any debates about CRT right right there should not be any debates about CRT there shouldn't be any debates about how we go about doing social emotional learning like we shouldn't be having these arguments that are not only erroneous but are irresponsible. Right. And a lot of these people who are pushing these narratives are people who are not even scholars of critical race theory. I'm not a scholar of critical race theory. I've just I've just been fortunate to speak with a lot of qualified scholars who have studied this theory for many, many years and have the receipts to prove it. And it's the same scholars that you talk to, Jamal. Because, you know, it's all in the same circle. So I think education is definitely key. You can't dispute facts. You don't want to listen to me? Well, guess what? You're going to have to listen to this data that validates what I'm saying. Right. All right? Uh, Because there are many scholars who are doing some excellent work around these issues. So we got to listen to them. And we got to look at the research to see what they've been able to uncover with this thing. Right. Um, but I don't know if we'll ever get to a place where we'll come to a consensus. And right. this goes beyond, you know, right wing and left wing, Democrat versus Republican, liberal versus conservative. It goes beyond those political realms. Fundamentally, this is about humanity. Right. All these, like, this is the Black on Black Education podcast. The things that we are advocating for, um, for black children, are the same things that will benefit all other children. If you think about it, yeah. we're not saying anything that's magical or out of the ordinary. We're stressing the black part because we know that black children aren't getting those things. <laughs> so. I don't know if I answered your question, brother, but yeah, I, you did. Yeah, I you, you, like... you, you did. It's the, the reality is, is that we're not going to come to a consensus. Um, and 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 again, we don't always have to. We, you know, we don't have to. Of minds have to come up with the with the with the same thing. But we, you know, we, people just need to be a lot more reasonable than um, than some are in the scope of the conversation. And uh, and and I'll continue to try to get better at um, at navigating, you know, said conversation. Um, yeah, debated it with you know with folks before, um, you know, and and 
I won't say that I've changed minds, you know, where all of a sudden it's just like, okay, I believe what you believe. But I, I think that I've certainly um, had communication with people where they, where they said, I, I hadn't necessarily looked at it exactly that way before. Um, and, and, and that's, the, you know, that, that's, that's, that's the start of the process. If you can get somebody to say, uh, you know, okay, I, I haven't really looked at it like that before, then they can say, wow, uh, yeah, I, okay. You can start to kind of move in, in the direction. Um, and I think the mistake sometimes what people make is that they're going to be, you know, it's like, I want to snap my fingers and have you believe what I, what, you know, what I believe. And nobody's ever going to do that, you know, for any side of any argument, you know, almost, almost ever. It just doesn't work that way. So. Oh no, man, not at all. And, you know, Chris Paul likes to say this quote a lot. I can show you better than I can tell you. I can show you better than I can tell you. Right. Um, If you don't believe what's coming out of my mouth, let me just model how this works. Right. And once you see the results, you can't say anything to me at this point. Look what's happening. Right. Right. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, I, I don't want us to go without talking about um, a subject that, uh, you know, Black on Black education is kind of positing to. You know, we, we're, we're launching our nonprofit. We're focusing our attention on student-centered approaches to, to, to education. Um, and we really do want to uh, find out what what that looks like. So I, I, I actually, I, I don't even want to give you anymore. Like when, when you hear student-centered learning, uh, what does that mean to you? What does that look like to you? And student-centered learning means that students have to be, have to play an active role in the learning process. Simply put, what does that look like? It looks like restorative practices, mm. right? So there are a lot of people out there who are doing some phenomenal work around restorative justice, how to incorporate restorative practices when it comes to um, student discipline, when it comes to just having healthy interactions with students in the classroom. That's one. Um, we also mentioned social emotional learning being able to have a pulse in the classroom uh, to say, hey, I see that we're not quite present in this lesson. Let me pause the lesson so I can tap in with y'all to see what's going on. Let's have a conversation. Let me know what's going on um, with y'all that's preventing you from being your best right now. Because we can't get back to the learning if we don't address this. But yeah, some folks who will keep on pushing through the lesson and they won't even, you know, mind the signs. They will disregard the signs that the students are presenting to us. So social emotional learning, um, restorative practices, but really just letting students know that as a teacher, you don't have all the answers. Like Ye said, like, we got the answers. <laughs> no, but, but seriously, we don't have all the answers as teachers. We are imperfect, just like you are. We make mistakes. And if we make a mistake, we acknowledge it publicly to y'all so you can see that, hey, it's okay to make mistakes too. Right. Right? So understanding that as a leader of the classroom, I got I need to put my students in a position to lead, to share ideas, to share different ways in which we can improve the classroom experience for all. And that requires mutual accountability. Right. Just like I have to hold students accountable for being their best selves academically and behaviorally, they too need to hold me accountable for being the best practitioner, the best instructor, and the best nurturer that that I need to be for them. Right. They need to call me to task respectfully right. if I'm not meeting their expectations. Right. Just like I have to, you know, call on them when they're not meeting their expectations as learners. So it has to be a two-way street. 
Right. Um, so those are just a few things that come to mind when I think about student-centered learning. And another thing too, when you do um, put together a lesson, are you putting together a lesson in a way that makes it easy for you to teach? Or are you putting the lesson together that accounts for how students will be able to access your content? Right. Are you keeping in mind how students learn, how students process information? If you have students with IEPs and 504 plans, are you making sure that you're putting in the necessary modifications, scaffolds, and accommodations so that they too can access your curriculum? That's student-centered. Right. You're not just teaching from a book because it's easy to do it. Right. And that's what makes and that's what's convenient for you. Right. You're doing whatever is necessary to ensure that the student is in the best position to thrive and be their best selves. So right. that's why I think in a nutshell. I got you. I got you. And, and I agree with everything you're saying. And I, th- I think a lot of what you're saying is, you know, from the perspective of somebody who who's been in the classroom. And, I, you know, I, I haven't been in the classroom. I have this. um I have this, you know, the way that I I, I think it ultimately should be like a, a utopian feeling of what what it what it should be like, where you know their kids arrive in the building, um, and you know when they want kind of, but they they get there when they want to, um, but they want to be there because they're working on projects that are so freaking fun and exciting to them that they wouldn't dare, you know what I mean, miss out on that the same way they might not want to miss out on, you know, the the, the some show on television or whatever the case may be, or it was something on YouTube. Um, so where they're engaged in a, in a project and, you know, I see the walls of the school, you know, kind of, 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 of falling down and the walls of the classroom um, falling down and the walls of grades um, and ABCD grades and first, second, third, fourth grades. I'm talking about a classroom where people arrive and they work together in conjunction with the teachers. You talk kind of about that, that, that learning process where the teachers have to learn, but the teachers also have to unlearn. Um, students have to learn and unlearn and entering into a process where they do that together all day um, and work on projects that are focused in on how we go about the business of, of, of actually bettering our communities, like full stop. Right. That's, that's, that's what education is about. It's it's, how, how do I turn on the fire and flame inside of a young human being so that they can look out and say, wow, I see a challenge. I actually, I just posted something on Instagram today uh, with, with, uh, with Sharif el He's like, I don't ask kids what do they want to do when they grow up. I ask them what problems they want to solve. So finding yeah. out what problems children want to solve and having every, maybe not every academic, I don't know. You know, I think there's obviously some, some, some boxes that you got to check and some things that, that, that you, that you have to do um, that, that are, that are like the traditional and standard curriculum. Um, but I think it's probably 80, 20, I think probably 80% of it, you can chuck, um, keep 20% um, and let that other 80% all focus in on what are we doing to better our communities? What are we doing to better the world? And and putting students on a on a on a process where they can critically think about that, where they can collaborate with one another about that, yes. um, and where they can focus all of their power on, on on growing and developing their capacity to 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 answer that question. Um, and that's how we solve the problems in the world. You know, when we have more little people that we have grown and developed. To, to, to solve problems um, versus to retain information that, that if you give them a test um, in June and they get a 90 on it, if you give it to them again in September, they'll fail it, uh, which, which has been proven over and over and over again that, that this is what happens. They're, they're just moving around in, in, a, in, a, in a social structure that we created because we said this, this is the way that it's artificial. And um, and it has to stop. So I'm, I'm gonna get off the soapbox because I can keep going. Like you know, when I talk about like w- how I feel about it from the utopia perspective, but I know that there's practical things that have to be done on a day to day basis to ever get you know to 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 this. You know, you're not gonna rip the whole thing apart. Um, but hopefully, we are able to to be a part of creating um, spaces that that take a lot of this into consideration and move you know 
bridge from where we are today to this type of world um, as, as fast as possible. Cause I, I think the world needs it. I think these students need it. Um, and, and, and the teachers imagine how much more exciting and engaging that process would be for the teachers that we're talking about are ready to leave the classroom. Man, Jamal, I'm with you, brother. You, you saying a lot. Um, but before I add on to what you're saying, shout out to Shreef El Meki, a uh, shout out to the center for black educator development out in Philly. They're doing phenomenal work. Uh, Sharif, if you're listening, you got to come on my podcast, brother. You got to have a conversation. Uh, so, quick plug in there. But what you mentioned, like when Sharif um, asks his students, what problems do you want to solve? That is an example of student centered learning or student centered approach. <coughs> Imagine if we were to shape our curriculum. Um, around the problems that students want to solve as opposed to problems that we deem as important based on our perspectives. Education will be in a much better place if we just allowed our students in. If we listened to our students more. The problem is we have a system in place where we are holding allegiance to protocols, mm -hmm. rules, and guidelines that are counterproductive to humanity. Right. Whether you want to talk about the way we do standardized testing, the fact that they're still culturally biased. That's not humanizing students. And that's definitely not student-centered. The test scores that we get from those standardized tests are not for students. Let's keep it real. Facts. It's just a way for not even districts, but just a way for people to arbitrarily evaluate how effective educators are. Um, and and that's a whole nother conversation. We're not gonna, you know, yeah, open yeah, yeah, a can of worms, but yeah. but ultimately, <clears throat> if we just listen to our students more. If we let them in on the process mm -hmm. and said, hey, I don't need to be in the front. I'm okay being in the back and letting my students lead. Ultimately, that's what education is about. It's not about feeding them information. And this is what um, Paulo Freire talks about mm -hmm. in Pedagogy of the Oppressed, this idea of banking. These students aren't coming in as empty vessels that need to be fed knowledge, right? They already come in with knowledge. They already come in as assets. Our job is to help students recognize that they are assets. Our job is to affirm them and let them know that they are already powerful as they are. We just have to help, we just have to guide them and utilizing their their power in a way that's going to impact society. Right. That's that's our job. Because if you if we want to talk about indoctrination, the way K-12 education is set up and has been set up for years is a form of indoctrination. Let's just keep it real. Facts. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, 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 absolutely right, man. Um, I mean, we, we obviously could go on and on, um, you know, but before we get out of here, just make sure, <clears throat> tell people, you know, a, a little bit about, uh, you know, Identity Talk, um, you know, exactly like where they can find you, um, who should be reaching out when, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's, we've obviously had a whole bunch of time to talk. You've been at the conference. We've, we've been on your podcast. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I know that teachers um, and districts can, can stand um, to have you come out and talk, you know, just talk a little bit about the, the, the services you provide um, and how people can get in touch. Uh, yes, for sure. Um, so identity talk consulting, as I mentioned in the very beginning, uh, we specialize in, in providing professional development, and consulting services to K-12 school districts and individual educators. And we focus on a myriad of things, um, primarily 
um, culturally responsive practices and anti-racist practices. Uh, we focus on uh, curriculum development. Uh, we we focus on on just school culture and and particularly any specific needs that our clients um, want addressed. So really into responding to the needs of the client. But at the end of the day, the goal is to make schools and more importantly, educators better at what they do by helping them understand who they are identity-wise as educators within that space. Because once you understand who you are, once you understand what your principles are, your morals, your non-negotiables, all those different things, you'll be able to walk in your greatness. You'll be able to walk unapologetically as your authentic self. And that's ultimately what the goal is with Identity Talk Consulting. So as far as how you can connect with us, uh, you can connect with us um, at our website, identitytalk4educators.com. You'll be able to find the services we provide. We also provide some online courses uh, where you can get accreditation, particularly if you live in the state of Massachusetts. So Identity Talk Consulting is an accredited K-12 professional development provider for Massachusetts educators. But even if you don't live in the state of Massachusetts, you can still get accreditation and, um, and get some credits for the online course we provide. So make sure you check us out there. Um, as far as our multimedia content, uh, you can you can actually see me every Tuesday on on Instagram. Um, I do a, a IG live show called Walk That Talk, where we focus on the activation of liberatory knowledge. So that's what that talk stands for. So if you're an educator that's about that life, if you're an educator that's about liberating students and unlocking their potential and creating a world for them that's going to allow them to matter, that's going to be the space for you every Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So make sure you check us out on Instagram. And then, of course, we have our Danny Talk for Educators Live podcast, uh, which we're currently doing biweekly um, because um, this year I introduced an additional podcast called Radical Math Talk, which okay. is specially made for <laughs> educators, math educators who are justice-centered um, and are about social justice and, and liberation for their students within the math classroom. So we have a lot going on, as you can see. You can check both those podcasts out every week on all platforms. Um, and then the last thing would be uh, we start a Patreon. So you can find me on Patreon. It's Kwame Sarfo Mensa. And if you're someone that has been following a daily talk from day one and you really benefit from the content we provide, any monetary donation is going to help to keep that platform going because as content creators, we spend a lot of time creating this content for the for the public and it can be a thankless job and we don't look for the for the thank yous but they're always appreciated but we also know that um the return of investment you know is important for us so that we can continue to provide this quality content just like you all do at black on black education so if you're someone that would like to you know donate whether it's a dollar five dollars whatever you, you're able uh, you can go to Patreon and check out um, the Identity Talk page through my name, Kwame Sarfo Mensa. So that's how you can connect with Identity Talk. All right. So um, the last question always allows, uh, it comes from, from the, our guest. Um, we allow you to ask us any question that you have. And since I'm the only one here today, um, obviously I'll be asked, answering it. <laughs> so fire away. All right, Jamal. Man, what can I ask you? Um, what has it been like watching your daughter evolve into 
such a dope educator. I mean, what what has that been like for you as a father? You know, seeing your daughter do the things that she's been doing, um, particularly in her, I believe this is her what first year, second year, second, second year. year. See, time's going by so quick. Yeah, second year as an educator, running, helping you run. I mean, she is. I'm, I'm, I'm helping mother. her. She's the mother I'm, of this business. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Let's I'm get it straight. Her. I'm helping her right there. Don't. She, she, you, she, yeah, she, she's, she's like the mother of this business. <laughs> this is this is her right here. Right. And she's still teaching full time. Like, tell me, as a father, how does that feel, bro? Um, it's definitely surreal, man. You know, Eva is a powerhouse. I am a proud, proud papa, proud girl dad. Like, um there are times where we're sitting on the podcast and she'll say something and I just like, I'd be so, I get welled up with emotion, you know, at, at how powerful she is. Like, you know, it, it's, you know, don't tell her I said so, but she's, she's like, she's a better version of me. Oh, you know, she, you know, she, she, some of the things that I didn't do because I didn't go to school, like, you know, her mind is way more structured. Like she'll, she'll follow things. Sometimes I'll be all over the place with stuff and she'll just be like, boom, 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 boom. So she, she's, um, She's amazing, and uh, you know, I, 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 it puts a smile on my face, and and I'm, I, I, I have just sincere gratitude um, and and faith that she's going to do some incredibly amazing things uh, in the overall space of, of education, and she's going to continue to change people's lives. That she's already changing, you know, young people's lives as a result of the work she does, both in the classroom as well as what we do together on Black and Black Education. So it is. Um, I'm just proud would be the 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 the, the word um, followed by grateful. Yes, and and I know Jamal, you know you you're a humble brother, and you know you always tell us that you're not in the classroom, you've never been a teacher, but I could tell you this, man, as a teacher who's been in the trenches, um, you just model what it means to center children, the way you parent is the way that we want teachers, you know, to interact with children. So I just want to say that um, just your ability to just step back, take a back seat and let your daughter do her thing um, and not be paternalistic and authoritative to where whatever you say goes, it's like, nah, we're a team. If you don't agree with what I'm saying, I'm giving you the space to express yourself and tell me how we can come to a common ground. Like that's the kind of co-creative process that we need in the classrooms. Right. We need for teachers and students to be in that mindset together so that the classroom experience can be further enhanced. And and I think you model that through your parenting. So I just want to commend you for that, brother, personally. Thank you. Thank you. I definitely appreciate it. It's certainly not always easy, but um it, it's necessary. <clears throat> and I and I know that it's the the right way to, to go about things. Um and and that we're gonna do some powerful things together as a result. If if I tried to, you know, run the the, the authoritarian things to that effect, I may be able to get, you know, what I want in particular spots. Um, but it would it would affect the full body of work and the full um the, the 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 full vision you know that that we that we share um in terms of what we want to create so thank you so very much Kwame for uh being on another episode of the podcast man we definitely appreciate you um listen your school district you know y'all need some work give this man a call he will come in and and hook you guys up um and walk you through a process to help teachers better understand their own identities same thing for the for the administration um and that is going to have a significant impact impact on students which is what we all look for so thank you Kwame and um that's another version of the podcast peace um so I'm not going to stop the uh the recording because I'm going to ask you something. I, I want us to start to do this after. Um, can you just do a drop? Just like, you know what I'm saying? Like something, something y'all here with the Black on Black Education team. Something, something, something. We, we, we want to start to, um, you know. Oh, shout outs? Yeah, shout out. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? Just, I was just on the Black on Black Education podcast or, yo, you know, really love even Jamal. Like it, whatever you kind of feel like just some, something that I'm going to, I want to start to collate that with everybody that we, that we work with. 
All right. Um, all right, let me let's go. So maybe I should give you see, but if I give you the whole screen, if I give you the whole screen, oh zoom yeah, zoom in. Yeah. Uh, right, cool. you know what? I'm a, I, I'll leave it like this and then I I, I know mm, what's the best way. No, I'll put it like this. Hey, just zoom in all the way. Yep. Yeah, all right, that's cool. So, Actually, you know what? Yes, I'm gonna zoom you in all the way. Go ahead. Zoom me in all the way. Yep. Yeah, there we go. So y'all, um, shout out to the Black on Black Education. Um, Eve, I know we miss you tonight, but I love you, and I love what you and your father Jamal are doing with this. I don't know what enterprise. It's an enterprise, um, and I just love how it's grown over the past couple of years. But thank you for what you do for black children and ultimately all children. And uh, Jamal, man, you got my vote for father of the year every single year. Trust. So y'all keep on doing what you're doing. And people, make sure y'all check out the Black on Black podcast um, and tap in. They're doing some real work and they're talking that talk. And that's the kind of change that we need in our education system. So make sure y'all tap in Black on Black Education Podcast. And let's go. Good looking out, homie. Definitely, definitely yeah. appreciate you, man. For sure, man. For sure. Um, have you have you made it down to New York um during your your 